And so may all of you have this firm intention to listen to the Dhamma. And uh, so now we have this opportunity uh, to sit and make our minds peaceful and to study the Dhamma. And so in studying this Dhamma, these teachings of truth, um, we need to train our minds uh, to be peaceful as well. So we listen with a peaceful heart. And now there'll be a teaching in Thai first. Uh, so all of you should sit and listen and be aware of the breath as it comes in and leaves. And take this as your meditation object. So we need to be practicing meditation as well as listening uh, so that the heart can reach peace. So no matter whether you are from overseas or whether you are Thai, uh, in listening to the Dhamma, we do need to bring our hearts to peace. Because if the mind is scattered, if it's unsettled, then we won't be able to understand these teachings. And so we make our bodies peaceful and we make our speech peaceful, just like we are now. And what we need to do next is to make our minds peaceful. Uh, so you should all sit and be aware of the breath and take the in-breath and out-breath as your meditation object. So we now develop this intention uh, to train our minds in sati, as mindfulness or recollection. And so where do we place our mindfulness? Well, the Buddha taught these bases um, for our mindfulness. For those, and he taught this for those people who had mindfulness and wisdom. Uh, he taught this uh, Satipatthana Sutta. And the place where he taught this uh, was very close to Delhi. We could call it Old Delhi. And the people in that city, they had a lot of wisdom. Uh, there was a uh, very popular or common for people in that city to have faith. And um, they had this faith and mindfulness and in this uh, Satipatthana Sutta. And so these, what the Sutta is about is the firm foundations for our mindfulness. And uh, there are four kinds of them. So just like in the talk that I gave uh, when we opened this retreat, the first of these foundations is the body. So all of us now coming to meditate, we bring our bodies and our hearts here to practice. And so we need to train to bring these minds to peace, to have um, inner peace arising. And then when it does this, um, then we can contemplate in a way that gives rise to wisdom. So we reflect upon this body. And so we can look at the body being a collection of elements, as just being a heap of earth, water, fire and air. So the hard or solid things in the body, this is the earth element, um, like the hair of the head, the hair of the body, the nails, the teeth, the skin, the bones. And this is all part of the earth element. And then there is that which flows in the body, the liquid parts. This is the water element, uh, so like blood or saliva. And the body also needs to have heat there. Um, and this heat, it comes from the fire element, or it is the fire element. And this is necessary for our bodies to stay on, to survive. 
And uh, if there is too much heat in the body, then illnesses arise. If there's too little heat, then the body doesn't feel at ease. There's a lack of energy. And so this fire element, um, it's necessary uh, for this body. It's uh, necessary to digest the food that we eat. And if uh, that digestion isn't good, if there's too little of this fire element, then this will give rise to illnesses, um, especially illnesses related to the wind element, um, different gases in the body. And so this wind, the air element, is a very important aspect. Um, it's that which uh, allows the body to survive. That the air comes into the lungs and then it enters, the oxygen enters into the blood. And then this blood flows around the body and it uses the heart to pump it around and it takes uh, food uh, to the different cells. And so it's a very important mechanism uh, in the body, um, the blood flow and uh, air supply as well. And we see that if the body lacks air for just five minutes, and if this was the case for everyone, for all beings in this world, then within five minutes all of us would be dead. And so do we see that? Um, that if we don't eat for many days, then we can still live. If we don't drink water for a number of days, it may be very tough, but we can still survive. And, uh, but if we don't have this air, an oxygen flow for just five minutes, then every form of life will die. We can't continue. And so when we have a peaceful mind, then we come to contemplate the body in this manner. And maybe we can separate out these elements and separate them into four different heaps of earth in one heap and then water, fire and air. And contemplate. And uh, what do we see when we contemplate? And how do we do this? Well, this thing, this body that we take uh, to be me, to be mine, is that really the case? Is it really me? Is it really mine? And so we can reflect upon this, think about this. And when our minds are peaceful, when they have samadhi, uh, then sorry, we can use uh, the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath, to develop samadhi, um, to use this um, as our practice. And uh, we can also recite the words of Buddha or Dhamma or Sangha along with this. Or we can contemplate into the nature of life and see that this life is something that's not sure, but death is for sure. So we take one thing up to recollect, whatever it is that allows our mind to settle down with ease. We can use the recollection of the Buddha, the recollection of the Dhamma, the recollection of the Sangha, the recollection of death, and all of these are okay. And when our minds are peaceful already, and then we can come again to look at this body, we can look just at the earth element, for example. We can touch the bones in our hands and ask ourselves, well, which one of these is me? And touch one of the bones in our finger and say, are you me? And we see that the bone, it doesn't respond, it doesn't answer. If we touch one of the bones in our arms and ask it, are you me? It doesn't give us an answer. 
And uh, if there aren't any nerves there, or the nerves aren't working uh, to receive any sensations, um, then we'll see that it's really just a collection of elements that follow nature. When we look at these bones in our mouth, what we call teeth, um, these are just elements um, that have come together. And, uh, or we can look at the liquids, the blood, for example, and take these and see them as just being elements, and that's all. And uh, if the blood, if we take some of that out of the body, then very quickly it will go off and we won't be able to use it for any purpose. We need to keep it at a particular temperature for it to still be usable. And so we see that if this body, the whole body is just the same, that it doesn't have a certain temperature, if the fire element isn't keeping it warm, then the body just can't survive. So we contemplate, um, seeing that this body is just a collection of elements that have come together, just earth, water, fire, and air, that when these things join together, when they start working together, then the body is like a biological machine. So we see externally there are lots of uh, vehicles that we can uh, see people use, uh, cars or these days aeroplanes. And uh, there are people inside who are controlling them. Uh, but now technology is developing and uh, quite quickly or very soon um, it's probable that we won't need any people to be driving these vehicles anymore. And so it's the same with the mind that it comes into the body and it depends upon this body. And the mind is that which gives the intention or has the intention to walk. This intention then gets sent to the brain and the brain gives orders. It says that now we'll walk, now we're going to say this, now we'll turn left, now we'll turn right, now we're going to sit or we'll stand or we'll lie down. Uh, but if the elements in this body uh, decay or deteriorate or we get a stroke or an aneurysm, then the cells, they won't be able to receive these orders um, because the cells which are responsible for giving those orders um, have deteriorated. And so the mind tells the body to walk and uh, it just doesn't happen. And so when these cells uh, deteriorate, then the body doesn't follow our instructions. So we see that the body is one thing and the mind is something else. They're different, they're separate. But when we're able to control this body, when we're able to think and give it orders and it will follow us, then we take all of this as being me. Then when the body starts to deteriorate, we get the understanding that I am the one who is deteriorating. But really it's just elements, it's just elements uh, degenerating, it's not me. Uh, the mind is still there, it still feels these sense impressions, uh, but really it's just the elements deteriorating. It's just this earth, just this water. And uh, when the air stops flowing, then every life ends. There's no fire that arises and illnesses, bacteria, arise. 
So we contemplate in this way and try to gain a clear understanding, a clear knowledge of it. We see the body as just being a collection of elements. So how is it that vipassana, that insight arises, clear seeing arises? So when we see the body as being a collection of elements, so what this actually is is samatha practice. It's also bringing the mind to peace. But when the mind is already in a peaceful space, uh, then we come back to contemplate again and will gain a new and clear understanding uh, that really this is just a collection of elements, um, that when these elements deteriorate, when they change, when the earth, the water, the fire and the air disband, then there's nothing left. And we see that these elements, they just come together and uh, they're able to survive because of this breath. And as long as we keep on breathing, uh, then we can carry on living. But when the fire element goes, when the air goes, then there'll be nothing left. So we see that when people die, when their breath stops flowing, then the body quickly changes. That it doesn't have this fire element heating up the body, uh, keeping it at the right temperature. So these physical conditions, they start to change. And then bacteria uh, start working on the body, start digesting the body. And then we need to burn uh, these dead bodies. We need to try and destroy that bacteria. And because if we keep them around, then these germs will arise and they'll cause a problem and it's not appropriate for us to keep uh, them around. So we see that really they are things that are inconstant. They're stressful, they're not me, they're not mine. And we try to understand this clearly. So now for us, um, we need to have a firm intention um, to really train and teach our minds because we are those who wish for inner peace. So we need to really try and aim at getting this inner peace. We have these foundations for our mindfulness, and so we should use them. We should place our mind with them. And for all of us who have come here, we're all those who have belief, we all have faith in these recollections and these foundations of mindfulness, recollecting the body, for instance, looking at the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath, this too is a part of the body. And these are methods which we use to bring about inner peace. And uh, so we know the movements of the body as well. We can also recite Buddha or Dhamma or Sangha too. This is for the sake of taking care of our minds so that they don't go and think about different things while we're practicing. So we try to make our thoughts uh, less and less. And when this happens, then peace is able to arise. The mind can become bright and clear. And so the example is given of like a pond that has murky water. And when that water is muddy, then we just can't see to the bottom of that pond. But when the sediment falls and settles, then the water becomes clear and we're able able to see right to the bottom. So our minds are just the same. If there's a lot of thinking, if it's very scattered, unsettled, if there's annoyance or 
aversion, sleepiness, ill will, seeking of pleasure in senses. And if these things hold sway over our hearts, then the mind just won't be bright. It'll be in quite a a gloomy and dejected state. But it's not gloomy to the level of not having virtue, of not having moral integrity, that we are still virtuous people. But if this gloominess becomes stronger and stronger, and the defilements start really gaining control, they come up very powerfully to the point where we lose our virtue, where we don't keep our precepts, and we start uh, creating, then we can start creating a lot of bad karma. That anger uh, rushes up in the heart, and then we can cause a lot of damage. And all it takes is just one single moment of not having mindfulness, for us to cause a lot of harm. And many people have died in this way. Uh, That sometimes people can kill each other for no good reason. They just see that other people's lives don't bear any any importance to them. And uh, so when we don't have mindfulness taking care of our hearts, then this can lead us to a lot of suffering. We don't see things clearly. Our minds just aren't bright. Uh, Just like that water in the pond that's all muddy, that's all murky, it's not clear. Uh, But when we're able to bring our hearts into samadhi, then the mind becomes peaceful. And even though initially this may just be a little bit of peace, still joy and rapture, happiness can fill up the heart. And when this happens, when we're sitting in meditation, we feel this happiness, this joy come up, then we start to really see the benefits of this practice. And so I have confidence that all of you who have come together, everyone who has joined this retreat, this online retreat, you're all people who have faith that's already very full. And how is that and how do we express that? Well, I'm sure that all of you are very generous and that's just how you naturally are. It's just what you normally do. You have faith in helping each other out and having these kind thoughts um, to try to support Buddhism. And you do this uh, very frequently. And uh, as you do this, then the mind feels very at ease uh, because of all the merit, all the skillful acts that you create. And so I'm sure that you're all people who, who help each other out help out people who are going through a hard time, who are quite poor, Uh, give a hand to children, to students, help out in society, and uh, work to spread uh, these teachings of Dhamma so that uh, people can hear them. So when you have faith in your hearts uh, in this way, uh, faith to see the benefits of all these things, And you also are people who see the harm in not keeping the precepts and see the benefits of keeping these precepts. And this is what has allowed you to come to practice like this, to come together to meditate, to train the heart to become peaceful. And so when we sit in meditation, uh, it's quite normal that the mind won't be so still. 
it'll still be thinking, it can still be quite scattered. So firstly what we need to do is to know that that's the case, to bring up this awareness and be aware that the mind is in a scattered place. Uh, but if we're aware of that and the mind just carries on thinking, carries on rattling on, um, it shows that our mindfulness is quite weak, that there are still all of these thoughts there. So we need to take these thoughts and bring them around, take them to contemplate. And what is it that we think about? Well, we can think that it's possible that I might die today. I might even die very soon, just later on in this morning. That life is really not sure, isn't it? And uh, as we reflect in this way, then this can relieve the thoughts in our mind and our hearts can gather into peace. So if this method works, then we do that a lot. We reflect in this way a lot. Sometimes anger comes up in the mind and our mind takes this feeling and just thinks about it, just constantly uh, goes on with this very angry, aversive uh, narrative. So we need to bring up mindfulness there and ask ourselves, well, who is it that feels angry? Who's anger? Who's angry? Um, who has ill will? And who is the one that knows this anger and this ill will? That it's mindfulness and wisdom that knows this inner nature of knowing, uh, the one who knows. But when this isn't there or it's not so strong, then we take all these things and we group them all together and consider them all to be me. And anger comes up, ill will comes up, and we take all of this as me and mine. Uh, so we need uh, to try to uh, go against this. And it's not the case that when we practice, we won't have any emotions or feelings at all. We still have these feelings because we still have a sense of self. So what we need to do is to try to put an effort to abandon that sense of self. So in the practice, if we don't have any anger, if we don't have any ill will, well then there's nothing left for us to do. It shows that our mindfulness is already full and complete. It's also natural um, that we may start feeling a bit anxious um, during meditation, the doubts may come up. Uh, we, so we can ask ourselves, well, what are we doubting about? And who is the one who doubts? We should bring up wisdom to see that these doubts just arise and cease, arise and cease, and to practice in this way. And it's very normal when we start out in this practice that we really want to go in the right way. We want the right path, we want the fast path. But what effect does that have? Well, having all these desires can bring up a lot of doubts as well. And when there's a lot of desire, then the mind will be quite confused. And this inner confusion, the, these, all these doubts, um, they really stir up the mind. Uh, so what should we do then? Well, Lumpur Cha, he taught to bring up mindfulness, to see the arising and the ceasing of these doubts. So for myself, when I was uh, practicing, um, when I was younger, I used to read a lot and listen to many different things. But sometimes none of those teachings would stay in my heart. And uh, 
thoughts just carried on coming up and coming up and they wouldn't go away. And I thought, well, if I didn't doubt about this practice, then how could I be sure that I was on the right path? How would I know? And so these are doubts just coming back. These were doubts coming back just to trick me again. So we should try to bring up um, our energy to really focus um, and be uh, sincere and settled um, in this path of practice. Because if these hindrances, they cover over the mind, then we just won't be able to find the way out. Um, There's no kind of knowing there to look after the mind. We may read a lot of scriptures and we may gain an understanding of the path of practice in this way. Uh, But really, when these doubts come up, we should just know that they have arisen. We should have the mindfulness there, knowing that doubts have come up already. And if we're not able to do anything about that, um, then we just know it. And then we come back to this meditation again, to developing mindfulness, to cultivating samadhi again. And for myself, um, I used chanting quite a lot in my practice when these hindrances were coming up very strong. And sometimes the mind was getting involved in liking or disliking and a lot of doubts were coming up. And sometimes I stayed in a very lonely place, quite a scary place, and my mind really um, felt uh, very alone. And uh, it felt like the mind was just going away, it just wouldn't stay with me. And so I used this chanting. I would chant a lot and bring my mindfulness with this chanting. And as monks, we often chant the Padimokha, we recite our rules, and we use this uh, to bring the mind to peace. And then all the thoughts that we have can be relieved through that. So we see that when these nivaranas, these hindrances, are present in the mind, then they'll stir the mind up. And if we're skilled at using the breath, um, then we can use that to relieve them. And so when anger comes up, for instance, then this can make our breath quite unsettled, that uh, anger arises, the fire element in the body gets stronger, the heart starts beating faster, and so the breath becomes quite hot. So if we're able to adjust our breath, we have this mindfulness over the breath and we can uh, play with that and we can use that uh, to relieve these emotions, and then we should do that. So if greed comes up, we can use our breath to relieve that greed, to bring the mind to peace. If anger or delusion come up, we can use our breath to relieve those uh, states, to bring the mind to peace. Now to allow our minds to pass over these feelings so that they can reach inner peace. And when our minds have this peace already, Um, and they're in quite a settled and firm spot, then we're able to contemplate these emotions directly, Um, all of the sense impressions which come into our heart, and see that it's just the mind that is proliferating. That's all it is. It's not me. If we're able to contemplate effectively in this way, what that shows is that our mindfulness is strong, our hearts have a lot of energy, and we're able to take the practice to the stage of citta, uh, nusati. 
the uh, recollection um, of the mind, having mindfulness over the mind. Sorry, jitta nupasana. Um, but if we don't have enough energy for that, uh, then we need to use something else. So what we can do is chant these teachings of the Buddha if we're able to memorize and we know certain suttas by heart, then we can chant over those. Or if we know the paritas, these auspicious verses, uh, then we can chant through those. Uh, whatever ones that we know, or if we know all of them, then we chant them all in full. And so when we chant a lot, then the mind becomes peaceful, becomes very at ease, becomes calm. And then we take this settled mind to contemplate, and contemplate into this body, seeing it as being a collection of earth, water, fire, and air. And this will relieve the attachment that we have towards it. And uh, so when we see that I am not there, then at the same time we also see that they are not there. And if I'm not there, if they aren't there, then what's the point in getting angry? Why would we want to get involved in love, in hate, in jealousy. So this practice of meditation, bringing up these objects and keeping our minds with them, um, this brings us a lot of benefit. So the practice of generosity, this helps to relieve the greed and abandon greed that we have. And uh, what other benefits do, does generosity have? When we, when we have this faith in generosity, um, it's also easier for us to see that and think that these lives that we live, they're really not sure. And the point, the purpose, the meaning of this life um, is that before I reach the end of this, I want to be able to see into the Dhamma, to understand the Dhamma, to reach the Dhamma we see that even though we may have a lot of possessions in this world, um, that what's more important to us is knowing the truth. Even though we may have a lot of wealth, that if we have a lot of this, then at the end of our life, we need to throw away a lot of wealth. We need to leave it all here. And isn't it better for us to seek out the truth, to find the Dhamma? So for us, we come to listen to these teachings of Dharma, these teachings about meditation. And all of this, all of what we're doing is meritorious. It's all good. And we have this great opportunity now, this very special opportunity for us to come together and practice in this way. And so I'm very happy to see all of you here. And uh, also for all those people, whether monastics, whether the laity who help to organize uh, this, all those who have lent a hand in making this possible and helping to spread these teachings, uh, to spread the Buddhist religion. Um, this is all very good things that you're doing and that we all help each other out. And really all of us are helping in this retreat and that all of us are working to raise our minds to a higher level, to bring them up so that they're able to see the Dhamma and so we need to put in our effort, we need to really try to do this um, so that we can see the Dharma with clarity. And so none of you should have any doubts about this path of practice. But may all of you have effort that you've all have this really good opportunity now. So 
try to use it as best you can. Do this practice continually. If you're at home now, then try to speak very little. Uh, And if the mind goes off thinking about other things, then use mindfulness to bring it back, back to the meditation object, either to the breath or to this word of Buddha. And some, for some people, <clears throat> Buddha, it's not quite enough. So they need to chant through the whole of the praises to the Buddha, this chant of Itipiso, Bhagava, Arahang, Sama, Sambuddha. And, uh, and so to do this a lot, you can chant through this uh, 108 times. And uh, you can do this many, many rounds. So perhaps to 540 um, chants of Itipiso in just the space of one day. So this is five rounds. Or you can maybe even do 10 rounds. And if you do this, then the mind really should become very peaceful. As you chant and chant, then maybe the words or the letters in Pali will come up as a visual image in your mind's eye. And uh, you can use these then, and place your mindfulness upon these. And then next, as the mind becomes even more still, then you won't need to chant through all of it. All it takes is just a little bit, and the mind already settles down into peace. So as you recollect this chant, then the heart can become very joyful. You carry on doing this until rapture arises, happiness arises. But it's also important that when we chant, we bring our mindfulness and keep that with this chanting. That we don't just try to quickly get through it um, so we can complete a round. Um, And if the mind is scattered, then we really need to firmly establish our mindfulness. So when the mind is unsettled, then we need to bring up some method some skillful means uh, to bring it to peace. And uh, in the end, then we'll be able to develop wisdom. So these objects, these uh, perceptions of anicca, dukkha, anatta, of inconstancy, stress, and not self, uh, these are the objects which allow for insight, for clear seeing, which allow for wisdom. And when any emotion comes up in the mind, when any feeling arises, then we must teach ourselves that this feeling, it's not sure, it's inconstant, it's not something that I should attach to. If there's any anger that comes up, any hate, any love, any fear, and there can be sometimes many, many emotions that arise, we tell ourselves, this is not sure, this isn't sure. We take this not sure as our foundation, as something we come back to. And this is something that Lumpur Cha emphasized, taught a lot. If we attach to anything, tell ourselves, this isn't sure, yeah? This is something that's inconstant. There's no me, there's no mine. And we teach ourselves in this way. And so we, as we do this, um, then one day wisdom will need to arise. And brightness, radiance comes up in the heart. We see into the nature of conventions, and through doing this, the heart becomes liberated. And the mind is in a very bright state here. And this can happen for three days and three nights. And sometimes when it comes up really strong, then it can be for many, many months. And it's really something that's amazing, something that we never would have believed would be possible for us. And uh, so may all of you do this. Um, and for the laity, it's possible for this to happen as well. This, these states can arise. Because we see that during the time of the Buddha, there were huge numbers of lay people who were able to attain to the state of Sotapanna. 
So may all of us uh, contemplate in this way. And for those who have the barami, who have the spiritual maturity, um, then, or sorry, when the spiritual maturity um, uh, becomes full, when it becomes uh, full to a certain level, then we'll be able to reach this, we'll be able to see the Dhamma. And it's not sure. For the people who have come here, um, maybe you'll gain a really clear, deep understanding into the Dhamma. Because all of you have generosity, have faith, have virtue, as these very normal uh, qualities of heart and things that you normally engage in. And we have Nibbāna as the purpose of our lives, that thing which we wish for, which we desire. It's the highest ideal of our lives, this Nibbāna. And taking Nibbāna as uh, the purpose of our life, that this is the quality, uh, the inner quality, the inner abiding of a Sotapanna. So all it takes is for us to carry on and be patient until our minds gather together. And here we will see clearly into the Dhamma. So may all of you be firmly intent in this.